0: The Knowledge from the Couch podcast. It's fun. It's interesting. It's weird. It's whatever you want it to be. Thanks for listening. Welcome into episode sixteen of the Knowledge from the College podcast. I'm Kyle, your host. What's up, everyone? It's a uh, a lovely week here. Uh, weather report, quick. Uh, a lovely week here in uh, Nebraska, where the temperature, as of this recording, reached a paltry zero degrees today. Cool, cool, literally cool. Uh, so yeah, that's that's really the only interesting thing going on in my life uh right now in terms of uh anything to report. Uh you know, graduated college a couple of weeks ago now already just studying for a board exam and doing all that stuff, trying to get everything uh situated and figured out, all that. Fun garbage. And uh yeah, uh the podcast is still coming along as it always does. Uh I still haven't quout quaut. I haven't quaut found time. I haven't quite found time yet to do bonus episodes on top of the regular ones that I'm doing, but I'm still trying to do my due diligence and do an episode a week and tell everybody an interesting story on the way in. Um, The podcast is very likely going to move here in the next couple of weeks. I'm not entirely certain where I'm going to move it, but I have my eyes out on a couple of different hosting options and... The one I'm using right now is uh, finally offering a 301 redirect option, which is a uh, weirdo, you know, computer-y type speak that even I don't understand that well. But basically it means that the RSS feed that I'm giving to iTunes and everyone else, Stitcher and everyone else right at the moment, is through Podium, the, the the people I'm using currently. You basically, at that point, you'll start... Uh, a new feed and you'll have still the 301 redirect later on that will allow people to still continue to download the um, back episodes and, and all that kind of stuff and still download everything else that you have while you're producing new episodes on your new platform. That way it's not like you have to re upload your entire library and then try to do all that stuff. Cause it, it wouldn't affect even if that was the case, it wouldn't really affect somebody like me because I don't have a really that extensive a, a back catalog. I only have not even 20 episodes, maybe 10 ish, 11 ish hours of, of audio out there uh, total. Uh, maybe a little bit more than that, but really not a whole lot. And um, so for me, you know, it, uploading and doing that, all that stuff is really a, a bandwidth issue. And a lot of. You know, providers decide that they want to limit the amount that people can upload, which is reasonable because they have thousands and thousands of people they're hosting, and for whatever they're, you know, whatever they're going to charge those people to to put stuff out with, they need to kind of, you know keep it reasonable with the amount of stuff that somebody can upload. So if you're a, a big time show and you're migrating your show to a new platform for whatever reason, and you have three hundred episodes that are all at least half an hour long, you're looking at You know, you're looking at gigabytes and gigabytes and gigabytes, just thousands of hours of stuff that you've got, you know, maybe not that much, but a ton, ton more than I have, and it would take you forever to have to read, download one at a time, so basically your show would all but disappear, at least a back episode episode stuff that you have, and I like having that stuff available for people, because when I look at my downloads and stuff every week, typically, you know, I get a big bump on Friday for the new episode, and typically the next week or so until the uh, new episode comes out. In between time, the newest episode, the latest episode, gets the most downloads, and you have a uh, reasonable amount with the the more recent ones, two, three behind. And But I still get episodes, downloads, from my episodes one and two and three and so on all the time. I mean, there's literally at least one or two downloads every single week of my episode one, which has now been out for four or five months already now. So people still you know stump that that tells me that people still stumble stumble across the show and go hey that's something interesting I want to do or they stumble across like whatever they're searching for say they're searching for a history podcast and they stumble upon mine or they're ser- searching for a particular person or a particular type of history that they're looking into and they stumble across one of my episodes that matches their search criteria and then they take a listen to it so I want to have all my back catalog out there for people to access just in case, you know, they want to listen to stuff, you know, I, I love dearly, very dearly, all of those who stick with me currently and and literally listen to my episodes on a weekly basis as if it's, a you know, a TV show that you you wait for on a week, and then the episode comes out, and you listen to it, and you're waiting for the next one, that's awesome, I truly and utterly cannot believe that literally anyone would do that, but I have people who do that, and it's awesome, and I still want people, though, to be able to, you know, listen to whatever they want whenever they want. I want new people to the show to come and find whatever episode they want and listen to it whenever they want. And I want episodes there for, you know, my friends and family and listeners who are supportive of the show. Say there's an episode that I've done that you really like, that you were really into and you thought it really hit every note that you like as a a podcast listener and that you like from me personally – So when you, and I pray that you do, go out to your friends and family and whoever else that you know, and you say, hey, I listened to this podcast. It's really cool by my super handsome friend, Kyle, and I think you should listen to it. Here's a really cool episode I think you'd be into. You know, I want the ability for you guys to do that for other people too. I think that's awesome. So basically, long story short, the, the company I'm using finally implemented this 301 redirect because they didn't have it before because they were like a, kind of this free-to-use service. And the, the software here and there was kind of a wonky sort of thing to begin with. Once they started migrating to their new paid model where they're going to kind of upgrade some of their things here and there, I, didn't really, I don't really want to stick around with them because for the money, they just don't offer as much as some of these other services do. Even though they've been a fantastic host up to this point, and I can't disparage them by any means because of that but long story short i'm going to move to a new host they've made it possible for me to do so so in the next couple of weeks or next month or so you're going to see no real changes to the show show will stay very much like it is now as far as i can tell um but you'll see you'll see new stuff um you'll see a new host you'll probably see a new website and you'll see it change a little bit but they won't change the way you get it should be the same exact feed in your, um, your subscription, in your podcast app, all that kind of stuff. So shouldn't change. shouldn't have to make anybody else do any work but me on doing that. But pretty soon we're going to see that, and hopefully it leads to, I don't want to say uh, an expansion on my show by any means. I'd love it if more people listened. That'd be great. But I just want to make it a more permanent, I guess, or a longer-term solution for the show in general. So... After that seven-minute diatribe on podcasting things and the the workings of it and the philosophy of it all, today's show, episode 16 of the Knowledge from the Couch podcast with Kyle, your host, that's me, is about Guy Fox. a pretty standard, easy-going show. A lot of people have heard of this guy already. He is the inspiration behind the V for Vendetta mask. Um, he tried to blow up Parliament. So let's get a little bit into why he would do that, what happened, did Guy Fox end up blowing up Parliament? We'll find out in this episode of Knowledge from the Couch Podcast. Okay, so Guy a Fox. This is an interesting one. Um, I was definitely stretching for people to talk about today for sure. Um, but I had always had this guy. He's He is part of my original uh, Google Docs list of people to possibly talk about. So instead of a sort of – the last few weeks I've been talking about people, I've sort of got them from random inspiration, whether or not – I hear about them from somewhere else and go, oh yeah, I should do an episode, or, you know, it's somebody that I had been thinking about in the past episode that maybe I had brought up, or a past episode inspired me to think of them, and then go, oh, I'll just get to them a little bit later. You know, that that had been the last couple episodes here. This guy, has, this guy has been on the original list, for sure, and I couldn't really think of anything inspiring from my last one that I did, so I decided that this was going to be the time that we talked about Guy Fawkes. Um An interesting fella, um, but probably more popular for what happened to him after he did what he did than uh, from what he actually did. But we'll just start with, uh, as we always do, when we're talking about these real deep cuts of history, and I wouldn't call it a deep, deep cut by any means. I, I feel like a fair amount of people, especially nowadays, because of, the movie V for Vendetta, uh know or at least have heard in passing who Guy Fox is. But as we always do, let's talk a little context here super duper quick before we get into the meat of the matter. So in Guy Fox is born in uh, 1570 and at this time in England, he is an Englishman, by the way. At this time in England the last couple of monarchs had changed, uh, particularly Henry the Eighth, and then his daughter Elizabeth. Yes, the very same Elizabeth the First, wedded to uh, Time Lord the Doctor. By the way, uh, uh, during this time of of English history, you know Henry the Eighth was like Mister. I want to do whatever the fuck I want to do, okay? And whether that is you know, having tons of different wives and trying to make an heir, you know, this This is gonna, I'm gonna make this legit in whatever way I can. So Henry VIII and a lot of Europe at this point, you know, through the centuries had been very, very super Catholic, right? Because you had the Roman Empire, which eventually becomes the Holy Roman Empire, which, you know, as you know today, the Pope is in Vatican City, which is in, the middle of Rome in Italy, so the the influence um, for for centuries uh, for Christianity had been very super duper heavily Catholic. Um, only around this point did the the spark of Protestantism sort of start to take hold when people just weren't super cool for whatever reasons. You know, Martin Luther had his many many reasons that he decided to nail on a door and tell people what's what. Um, Henry VIII's reasons were more about, hey, I just want to divorce my wives and have more wives and then maybe divorce them too, and Catholic religion doesn't allow me to do this, so I'm just going to make my own religion, I guess. So, Henry VIII sort of strikes away from the Catholic Church and institutes the Church of England, uh, or the Anglican Church, if you've heard of that, but either way, it is obviously not a Catholic church, which makes it a Protestant church. And there's this sudden swing of, of people who are, you know, all of a sudden there are less Catholic people, there are more Protestant people, whether that is because people decided to change allegiances, because Henry VIII and then his daughter Elizabeth demanded that people, you know, especially public servant-type people... Um, whether they be in Parliament or or any sort of elected official or any sort of appointed official or any other type of official like that would declare themselves, you know members of the Church of England or whatever. You get this massive shift from Catholic people to uh, non-Catholic people. This made the original Catholic people who are very devout and very into their thing and felt that it was the thing to do, very upset. You know, they felt like their way of life or whatever was going away and that they had to find a way back into it. Guy Fox is one of those people. He was born in 1570 on the 13th of April um, in York. He was educated there. Um, his dad died when he was eight years old. Um, his mom marries a Catholic. He becomes Catholic then, so he wasn't born Catholic, but he becomes Catholic as a young man. He then goes and fights in the Eighty Years' War, which is a uh, really long and drawn-out war, also known as the Dutch War of Independence from 1568 to 1648. He decides that he wants to go help the Spanish side, so in the Eighty Years' War, you have... Um, places that would eventually become the Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, and all that stuff—they were controlled at that point by Spain. Spain, as a lot of people knew at this point, and still is a lot of the case today. Just like Italy, Spain is ultra Catholic, super Catholic. A lot of the New World explorers uh, during the same era that were heading over to the Americas were also, you know, trying to spread this uh, this form of. Spanish Catholicism, you know, the Spanish Inquisition part of their whole entire thing. So Guy Fox is this, this super Catholic guy all of a sudden. He decides, I'm going to leave the country. I'm going to go fight in this war on the side of Spain because I so heavily believe in their Catholic mission, I guess, or whatever mission. So he goes off and he fights for 10 years over in Spain in this war. He then goes back to England later on with, you know, because there was, I mean, an 80 years long war, how much success can you really see in that small amount of time? So he, even 10 years, is only an eighth uh, the length of that war. So he he spends his time out in the battlefield doing what he's going to do, ends up coming back to England where he is introduced to Robert Catesby. Now Robert Catesby is going to be the, the mastermind of the plot that gets Guy Fox his fame, the gunpowder plot. So Robert Catesby is this guy who is just like super pissed off and hates James I. James is the monarch that was installed after Elizabeth I's death. Now, Elizabeth I didn't have any children, very proudly on her part too, and she was very stubborn when it came to, you know, having children, getting married, um you know, sort of uh, 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 continuing her line like her father, Henry VIII, who was the complete opposite and wanted to just marry and bone constantly to make a an heir, and then he never made a male heir. He, his heir, obviously, was Elizabeth, a female, and she, Elizabeth, on the other hand, just said, fuck it, I don't want to, I don't care about that, I'm just the queen, I'm going to do queen stuff, I'm going to be kick-ass queen, I'm going to do things and then I'm just going to die and I guess we'll see what happens. So at at this point nobody really knows what's going on. Um originally during Elizabeth's reign, Mary Queen of Scots, so this the Scottish queen for a little while at least was she had, she had already had like a claim on the English throne and, and it, it, this it's all so convoluted the whole thing. This is like where we get a divide between the people who just fucking love history and the people who goddamn despise it. And if you're one of the despisers, I don't know why you're listening to this show, but if you are because of some sort of weird loyalty to me or you like me or the show's idea in general, then thanks for listening. It's it's wonderful to have you here. Um, but this is one of those really boring things where you have like a main trigger in the history of a, like a person who is central to things – And then you have, like a tree, a million branches going off in different directions, often intertangling back on themselves. And it's this whole thing where nobody knows who's doing what, where, and why. And for people who love history, it's fun to just dig in and get your fingers in it and just go, yeah, let's just this person, this person, this person. And they do this, this, and this. Oh, my God. And then if you hate it, you just really, really hate it. Um, but we're, so that's why, you know, with all the characters and stuff that are going to be a part of this episode, you know, sorry if you're not into that, um, Mary Queen of Scots had already claimed the English throne, um, herself while Elizabeth was on the throne because Mary Queen of Scots was also, she and, um, Elizabeth are cousins, so they're first cousins because they share basically a grandmother and then obviously deviate on down the line, so really... Uh, Mary had just nearly as legitimate a claim to the throne as Elizabeth did. Not quite, because Elizabeth was the straight-up daughter of the monarch, Henry VIII at the time, although it was semi-uncommon to have queens as opposed to kings in this day. I mean, you obviously had them, Elizabeth being one of them, but they were far less common than, say, uh, a king being the monarch and ruling. So it was one of those weird things that... You know, it's it's kind of sexist at the same time as well. But either way, she, she has a kid named James. James is eventually going to be the king in England, but he is the king in Scotland. He is the king in Scotland as a baby and then basically grows up into, you know, kinghood as he grows up and becomes uh, not a minor anymore. And he... Uh, kind of forces, without his sort of, you know, knowledge or anything, but forces his mother, Mary, Queen of Scots, to abdicate her throne because of a whole plot to, you know, allegedly execute other people in Scotland. Now, in this time, the English Catholics are super into having Mary as the Queen of England, not Elizabeth, because Mary is ultra-Catholic, Elizabeth is not. Now, you think it would say, hey, you know, Mary's... Maybe not going to be able to be the queen of us now because Elizabeth has been the queen for a long time, and now Elizabeth is basically shipping Mary around in various prisons, including the Tower of London here and there. Um, you know, not letting her exist in any sort of public way. Maybe Mary's kid is the one we should get behind. Well, her child James, who is um, James the Sixth in Scotland, and will become James the First in England is really not catholic really at all so they were not into having him around they really wanted mary so they just sort of figured hey once elizabeth dies this is a our, our sort of our golden opportunity to get somebody into place let's let's hope that we can get somebody super catholic back onto the the english throne that way, we can restore Catholicism as the the religion in England, or at least you know a more equal footing religion in England with the 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 Church of England than it is now, where things have really taken that dramatic you know shift, like we're talking about. So they're watching intently as Elizabeth passes away and to see who takes over. Well, unfortunately for them, James from Scotland, uh, James the Sixth is coronated as king of England because of his claim through what would be his great grandmother, um, one of the the Tudor monarchs. So there are a lot of people planning this. You know, Elizabeth lives a very long time. People understand, you know, when she's dying, she's dying for a while. Okay, we have to make a plan. And so a lot of people in London and in the area go, okay, we're just gonna have James, you know, be the king. He has a fairly legit claim. Let's just have him get up here. I mean, we know he's Scottish. We know he's not English, but hey, we'll just have him unite the whole thing. He'll be king of Scotland. He'll be king of Ireland. He'll be king of England. It'll be wonderful. So we'll just get him in here and do it. And this is not what those English Catholics like Guy Fox and Catesby, this is not what those dudes want at all. They are not happy with this decision. So they figure... Because we're pissed off with this decision, we are going to make a plot. We've got an idea. We are going to basically start, you know, this is not what they're saying to each other. Like, we're going to start a conspiracy. But there is a conspiracy formed with these men, Robert Catesby, Fox, and a a bunch of other guys, that they're going to do something so they can, you know, implant their own monarch that they sort of looked through the family trees and found one that would be, uh, suitable and would be very Catholic, and we're going to, you know, pull off this sort of conspiracy that we are planning. Get rid of all these people. Nobody's going to know it's us, and then we're gonna get this new person in, and uh, hooray for us! You know, uh, rule will be restored. You know, the the rightfulness of the Catholic Church will be restored. And Guy Fox is like, yeah, man, let's fucking do it. I'm a I'm a war veteran. Ten years, baby. Let's go. Let's go make it happen. So. The gunpowder plot is then born. This plot basically assumes to assassinate James and then install one of James's own children, one of his daughters who was off in a a different part of Europe. You know, because when you're a young woman at this point, you're basically sent off and married off to. Especially if you're a female in royalty, you are, you know, a young princess, you are sent off to some other land to marry royalty in another country, usually in the whole hopes that, you know, w- through marriage and uh, this and that, you that you can sort of acquire in your family's holdings, you know, more power, more land, more stuff, and so... And we'll never be able to do an episode on this on the podcast. I always kind of say, "Yeah, we can do an episode on that." We're never going to be able to do an episode on uh, royalty in Europe during this time because it is so fucking complex, and I don't have like the patience or the time or anything to try to just go, "Hey, let's talk about let's talk about monarchs." There's millions of them all the time, all in in, in Europe, and. You know, here's how this relates to this, and this thing relates to this, and th- and it's just, oh my god, it is such a fucking convoluted web of bullshit. But basically, y- you send off the the these young royal people, especially young females, like we're talking about, to go marry others, and then the hopes that you know you can basically legitimize the grabbing of land here and there and everywhere. Anyway, the the gunpowder plot, the the main point of this conspiracy that that Catesby and Guy Fox are involved with is that they're going to install young Elizabeth. yes, another Elizabeth, this one not related to the former Queen Elizabeth I but a uh, a young princess who is James's child who is off in a different area and she is very Catholic and she very much would do, what was going to happen um, that these guys wanted. So they were like, okay, we are going to find a way that we can somehow kill off James because in Guy Fox's mind, and he said this to the Spanish while he was off as a veteran of war, he was very much into a, a Catholic rebellion in England. He just could not stomach the thought of Catholicism going away in England and all these dirty Protestants just march around being ridiculous he had no want for this sort of thing, and you know, sort of told the the Spanish that yes, when we rebel, we we can't have this guy here. We need to get rid of him. So he already has in his own history, and it's recorded as such that he has the 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 desire to do something where he is going to get rid of the, the dirty Protestant King James and, and install his daughter Elizabeth as a new queen in England so that he can therefore push Catholicism a little bit harder. Well, Catesby and Fox are talking about this, and, you know, getting rid of James is one thing, but I think that we need to do a little bit more than that. We need to get a little bit more action done by this because at this point like we we're saying Henry VIII was the one who really instituted this Protestant sw- switch shift in in England and that goes all the way through his reign and then it goes all the way through Elizabeth's reign which is a fairly long reign in its own right so you have many decades of this switch in England which means not only are a lot of the common people switching allegiances uh, here there and everywhere but you also have a lot of people who are going to be serving in that time's parliament as well in England who have switched their allegiances. Now your parliament is very heavily um, Protestant instead of Catholic. So if we're going to get rid of James as a a, a person uh, that is Protestant and then we're going to put in Elizabeth, his daughter, as replacement, we should just fucking get rid of all these parliamentarians too because if we just dump everybody off at once we're going to throw the whole thing into chaos we get elizabeth thrown onto the throne you know and we sort of sort of slink out from where we are and you know sort of waltz in ourselves we install more catholic people because now it's going to be more popular and easy to do and not punished basically more catholic people into positions of power in a new parliament and da-da-da-da-da, A equals B equals C equals D, and we're going to be able to take our country back from these goddamn dirty Protestants. This was the basis of the gunpowder plot. They were going to try to do something that would kill the king and kill everyone in parliament. Well, how do you do that in an era, and this is in 1604 now, Uh, planning it into uh, 1605 when this would uh, uh, eventually happen. Um, How are you going to do this in an era where there's literally like the the worst thing that you have are like really shitty muskets and cannons kind of like what are you going to be able to do like how are you going to be able to take out this many people so much well. Fancy enough, those fun muskets and cannons operate under a little something called gunpowder. Heyo, gunpowder, you know, the namesake of the gunpowder plot was going to be the key to getting rid of all of these people if they could very quickly. So they decide that as part of their plot, they are going to take a bunch of gunpowder, a bunch of casks or kegs of gunpowder, I guess, and they're going to put them underneath... The Parliament Building, yes, the same Parliament Building that is still in England today, that is a very popular landmark, you know, Big Ben in the Westminster area are all part of this thing. Their plan in uh, the early 1600s here, 1604 and five, was to fucking blow the whole goddamn thing up, kill everybody inside of it because of this explosion. And now, Parliament is huge. Like, this would have to be a massive fucking explosion. And what they planned on, they put a lot of goddamn gunpowder down there. Their plan was to take all these casks or kegs of gunpowder, put them underneath Parliament in these cellars that you could rent, I guess, at the time. And, you know, they, they put up a big pile of wood and the plan was to light the wood on fire which would eventually ignite the gunpowder and blow up all Parliament and their plan would be this wonderful... Wonderful, you know, conspiratorial thing that would succeed, and everything was going to work, perfect, right? All of this was discussed on Heyo, my birthday again, May twentieth of sixteen o four, in the uh, Duck and Drake Inn in London, by Kate Spee and others, and Guy Fox plays into the picture because of his war experience. They figure that this is going to be the guy who is going to be able to do the blowing up of things most effectively, more than anybody else. Um, Fox is described as a tall, powerfully built man with a thick reddish brown hair and flowing mustache in the tradition of the time and a bushy reddish brown beard and that he was a man of action capable of intelligent argument as well as physical endurance somewhat to the surprise of his enemies. So Fox is sort of considered the main guy for the job. He's he's experienced in in matters of war he's very much into the cause of the execution and the the positive part is that he's he's been out of the country now for for a decade when he went on to go fight in that in, in that 80 years war so he's really a fairly you know relatively unknown person to those around in the area so he's the kind of guy who's not really going to stir up any sort of real suspicion. He's just kind of a faceless, nameless guy to a lot of the people in the area. So, they're in this inn uh in 1604 discussing this conspiratorial plan where they're going to get a bunch of gunpowder and they're going to blow up the parliament building and Guy Fox is going to be the guy who lights the match and makes it happen. So, as part of their sort of I guess ability to get into that area, uh, one of the conspirators, uh, another guy named Thomas Percy, gains access to a house in London that belonged to a guy named John uh, Winnyard, who was the keeper of the king's wardrobe. This is all these little plot consip- conspiracy points where they're 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 working their way uh, into an area where they can uh, make what happened happen. So Guy Fox fits into this. Uh, he goes into this area with Thomas Percy, and he. Is uh, goes undercover, so to speak, as a caretaker, and he starts using the name John Johnson. Sweet name, dude. When you're going to pick a fake name, try harder than John Johnson in the future if you can help it. So a- after I- installing themselves in-, in this area, they decide to work on the finer po- points of the plot where they're going to you know, get in all the gunpowder that they need, and they get in 20 barrels of gunpowder at first and then bring in 16 more uh, to this area later on for a total of 36 barrels of gunpowder. It's a lot of gunpowder. And they are getting ready to plot. Now, normally their plot was going to take place during the summertime, but because of the plague, the opening of Parliament wasn't going to be until the fateful day, the 5th of November. So they're they're getting ready to do what they need to do. Um, there is this weird thing, though, where uh, according to some of the people there, that there were going to be a few Catholic people in Parliament. Now, obviously, these Catholic people weren't going to be, you know, uh, out and proud Catholics at this time, but uh, there was word that there were going to be some Catholic people involved in Parliament on that day. Well, some of the people in the conspiracy were not very happy about that and wanted to warn some of those people that they should stay away from the parliament on the 5th of November, one of those people being Lord Monteagle, who received an anonymous letter warning him to stay away and to quote, and this is hard to read because it's literally written in the weird old English script, but to quote, retire yourself into your conti, which y'all may expect the event in safety, for, they shall receive a terrible blow this parliament. So basically said, hey man, we're going to blow this fucker up. Don't come. Don't come to school today, man. And this is way back on like October 26th of that same year. So this is a, a good, you know, 10 days almost before they're actually planning on uh, doing what they're going to do. Well, Lord Monteagle is spooked by this and <laughs> literally takes the fucking thing all the way to King James, the guy that they want to kill. So letter goes to King James. King James says, well, it sounds wonky and like a hoax, but I guess we should go check it out uh sends some people to go uh look underneath the building for you know where they they think this is going on and in the early hours on the 5th of November uh Guy Fox himself the man is discovered by a bunch of people and is promptly arrested not before telling them that his name is John Johnson but is promptly arrested at the gunpowder plot, this huge thing that took these people like a year to plan, they got 36 barrels of gunpowder stored away underneath uh, Parliament, they were going to blow that fucker sky high, is quickly and utterly stopped in its tracks. So Guy Fox is then arrested and uh, taken into custody, uh, all the while everybody still thinks his name is, is John Johnson, by the way, still Mr. Johnson, and he is undergoing interrogation. Uh, he identifies himself as a 36-year-old Catholic from Netherdale in Yorkshire, gives his father's name as Thomas, his mother's as Edith Jackson. Um, he admits to you know his intention to blow up the House of Lords. He expresses his regret at his failure to do so. Um, King James actually admires it. His steadfast manner earned him um, that admiration. He described Fox as possessing, quote, a Roman resolution, but James, even though he was like, hey, this guy's kind of a tough dude, cool, he was still like, uh, yeah, we should still like definitely torture him, though, to, to try to get him to, I guess, give us the, the details of the plot and to also you know bring his co-conspirators to light. So he tells his people to to, to start light on Mr. Johnson still uh, and then to increase the severity of the torture if at all necessary because they want to figure out what is going on. So, they they take him to the Tower of London, where he undergoes a lot of his torture in a room that is now called the Guy Fawkes Room. After all this is said and done, Sir William Wad, who is a lieutenant of the Tower, is the one who supervises Guy Fox's torture and obtained his eventual confession. Um, he finds a letter addressed to Guy Fawkes basically revealing the plot to him, although Guy Fox stays completely utterly silent of it. And surprisingly to uh, William Wad is actually able to rest in his chamber despite being severely tortured the entire time, although eventually on November 6th, the next day after his uh, torture throughout the night and uh, 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 them trying to figure out what they were going to get from him, eventually does give up names and give up his uh, true identity, as uh, Guy Fox, not as John Johnson. Um, he tells his interrogators that there were five people involved in the plot to kill the king, uh, including himself. He then be- begins to reveal their names. So he tells them that on November 7th. Then on November 8th, he begins to reveal their names. Uh, he told them how they intended to place uh, Princess Elizabeth, the aforementioned uh, daughter of James, onto the throne. And then a uh, the third confession on the 9th, he implicates Francis uh, Tresham in it. Um, basically, every day that he is tortured, he gives up a little bit more, a little bit more information, a little bit more information. Um, nobody knows how badly the torture got, but if you look at a, a signature, the signature that is the the part of the signed confession, it's literally nothing. It's just a scrawling bullshit. Um, a guy who was very well educated and could definitely write his name pretty reasonably, uh, his signature was just basically chicken scratch, so that probably uh, attests to how badly he was got during that torture. So they figure, yep, high treason, we are going to put him through the ringer. High treason is one of the worst crimes that anyone can commit, especially in the, uh, the 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 English kingdom at the time. So they are going to make an example of him and his co-conspirators. Thus, uh, on Monday the 27th of January of the next year, 1606, um, Fox and his co-conspirators were taken on a barge down the river um, to be displayed and to undergo the horrible uh, drawing and quartering and, and hanging and the whole goddamn thing that was very common, especially for treason at the time in medieval England. So basically, according to the Attorney General, Sir Edward Coke, he tells the court that each of the condemned would, quote, and this is the, the terribleness, would, quote, be drawn backwards to his death by a horse, his head near the ground. They were to be put to death halfway between heaven and earth as unworthy of both. Their genitals would be cut off and burnt before their eyes and the bowels and hearts removed. They would then be decapitated and the dismembered parts of their bodies displayed so that they might become Pray for the fowls of the air. Yeah, pretty pretty awful. Um, Most people have probably seen a, a very mild version of this particular thing shown uh, in the movie Braveheart. Um, Mel Gibson's character at the very end of that movie was basically in the middle of being uh, uh, disemboweled. And they would typically cut him open um, via vivisection and take out their intestines and all their other stuff and burn them in front of them, cut off their nuts, cut off their penis, cut everything off, burn it in front of their eyes. It's a horrible, awful thing. Um, When they would draw them into the place, they would uh, basically strap them to a horse and then literally drag them to their execution site so their body would just be banging around on the ground, you know, that sort of damage would be done to them. Then they would be hung, as the thing says, uh, put to death halfway between heaven and earth, meaning that they would be hung and they would start to suffocate, and uh, the hanging wouldn't obviously kill them or anything. Um, They would basically be brought close to death, and then they would be brought down again, and this might take place a few times or one time or whatever it was before they went to the whole, you know, cutting you open and doing all that shit. They would eventually then decapitate the prisoner and do what uh, else they were going to go ahead and do so Guy Fox somehow magically <laughs> all this is about to take place it's this awful thing um, they aren't sure whether it was because he was super duper weak because of the torture he had undergone the past few weeks or because he was going to try to kill himself before all this sort of thing happens. Guy Fox is climbing a ladder to his noose um, and then quote-unquote falls down or probably ended up jumping to his death and uh, the rope was around his neck so he uh, ended up breaking his neck by hanging instead of hanging by suffocation, thus killing himself before he had to actually undergo the awful execution his co-conspirators had to go, uh, go with and you know he was still quartered and 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 sent to the, these parts to the four corners of the kingdom so to speak um you know put it in his head put it on a spike on, on on London bridge or whatever so yeah that was that's that's guy fox's life in a nutshell but there is legacy that reaches far beyond this random super catholic guy who wanted to blow up parliament uh they pe- people uh, really wanted to celebrate this this plot being foiled by lighting bonfires because you know the, the whole plot point was uh, that we are gonna light a fire um, underneath Parliament and that fire would eventually ignite all the gunpowder and and kill everybody. Um, so in an act of Parliament, uh, each fifth of November was designated as a day of Thanksgiving for the joyful day of deliverance. Um uh, and people would would then celebrate bonfire night, so to speak. So that's the thing that happens now. Just even literally to this day, people on the fifth of November light bonfires and fuck around because uh, a kooky guy named Guy Fox decided to try to blow up Parliament and wasn't quite wasn't quite successful with that plot. During these bonfire nights, uh, effigies will be burned. Uh, for a long time, uh, they were usually a pope because of the uh, fervish anti-Catholicism. Uh, later on, uh, the the heir presumptive, James, Duke of York, makes his conversion to Catholicism. So people are like, "Oh, I guess Catholics aren't so bad." Well, we still like having fun and burning a goddamn bonfire, so we're gonna keep burning effigies. The the effigies are typically Guy Fox effigies, but sometimes you know, depending on the the anger. Uh, against somebody in the public's eye, whether it be somebody like Paul Kruger or Margaret Thatcher. They have made their way onto bonfires, so it's just one of those things. Um, If it was the United States, you might find somebody burning effigies of of certain political figures that they really dislike. Uh, I'm sure you can guess who that might be, depending on what decade you're talking about in this country. But eventually, interestingly enough, you know Guy Fox is basically celebrated so to speak as this kind of bumbling dumbass who decides that he wants to you know blow up parliament but fails spectacularly and is 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 very quickly then executed because of it but into the the 20th century into the 21st century um the idea of Guy Fox actually almost becomes sort of this anti-hero instead of villain the sort of anti-hero anarchy symbol uh, of, you know, kind of a fight the power type of guy. Instead of a, oh boy, he's he's an evil man trying to blow up, you know, what's good in this world, he becomes sort of the symbol of, hey, maybe the people he was trying to blow up are the evil ones, and he was the guy trying to bring justice to the world, which is basically the basis of V for Vendetta, the comic book that eventually becomes the the movie uh, about a guy named V, his fight against a uh, a dystopian future fascist English state that he decides that he wants to also blow up and get rid of because he believes in, at the very least, an anarchical state or at the very least not, you know, the John Hurt-led English action. So an interesting fella in an interesting plot fails his plot, gets executed, and then for the next, you know, 400 plus years, people are just burning shit every year on The 5th of November. Remember, remember the 5th of November. The gunpowder treason and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. Guy Fawkes and his companions did the scheme contrive to blow the king and parliament all up alive. Three score barrels laid below to prove old England's overthrow, but by God's providence. Him they catch, with a dark lantern, lighting a match. A stick and a stake, for King James's sake. If he won't give me one, I'll take two. The better for me, and the worse for you. A rope, a rope to hang the Pope. A penorth of cheese to choke him. A pint of beer to wash it down. And a jolly good fire to burn him. And now, your new and improved Snapple fact of the week. Right. I remember. That's the cap. I remembered two goddamn weeks in a row to do this. Now, third time overall. Third time's a charm. This Snapple real fact of the week is the Florida Everglades is the only place in the world where both alligators and crocodiles live together. Oh, that's a nice one. That's a really nice Snapple fact of the week. And that will do it for this weird, winding, convoluting fuck-up of an episode, episode 16. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We are getting close to 20 episodes now. I can't believe that shit at all. That's bonkers to me. And actually, I think we have nearly 20 episodes, including many episodes. But either way, we are getting close to the the magic of 20 on the regular episode track. And I want to thank everybody from the bottom of my heart for continuing to listen to me if you've been listening to from the beginning. And welcome to those who are new to the program. Whether you are a random download um, from somebody I don't know. From a country I've never been to. Which, uh, welcome. Uh, if you're one of my friends who maybe did know about the podcast. And finally decided to um, open up one of my random Facebook posts every week about it. And decided to take a listen. Welcome. Um, thank you everybody for listening to this. We, we've passed um, 1,300 Downloads were actually pretty close to 1,400 total downloads over the, the life of the show, which I think is very good. That means we're averaging just about 100 per episode. Not quite, obviously, math, but a lot more than I thought was going to happen. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Steinhauser, where I am often. Pulled into a dumb fight that I probably shouldn't be where I just tweet at somebody who is saying something that I don't agree with or I'm retweeting nihilist Arby's or something else random that might have something to do with this show. And I think eventually with the the new rebranding of the of the whole, you know, host change and stuff, we're probably going to get ourselves our own show Twitter account Um and stuff like that. That way I kind of separate myself, um, at least in that respect, from the show so that it's it's not necessarily just about me but that there's a show and I'm just the, the 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 ferryman on the river sticks for your show experience. You can follow me on Instagram at Kyle F. Steinhauser. You can find us on Facebook, search Knowledge from the Couch podcast and you will find us there. Nearly 100 likes on that bad boy. So cool. Um, otherwise, This show is available everywhere you can find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, uh, leave a review. I love reading the reviews and the ratings for the podcast. It makes me very happy when people do so. Um, If you rate it highly um, and you give it five stars, that actually helps the podcast's exposure, which is probably the reason why – even the small amount of reviews and ratings I've gotten so far have led to more random downloads from places that I never would have seen. The more you rate and the more you subscribe and the more you uh, review a show, the better you know it looks to Apple and others. And more people will get to listen to it. And that's, that's what we're going for. So if you're around there, go ahead and do that. You can also do that on Stitcher, I believe, as well. Um, so, yeah, do that. When you can, I will love you forever, even if you don't. Um, Next week's show, as per the usual, I don't have any idea what it's going to be about, but that's the fun part. You'll just have to come back next week and figure it out. And until then, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I truly, truly appreciate it. I'm out of here. Running in circles, never leave me alone. Say I don't answer the messages, or pick up my phone. Say we all need some time just to settle down. Won't you come around? Cause I never can leave it alone Tell me your stories but don't leave out the lies Cause I know I got some problems and I'm open to mine So we all need some time just to settle down Won't you come around Cause I never can leave it alone Talking about somebody rolling, boulevard down and Making it count for efforts I can't explain Balling and feeling we drown and Never been humble by playing the fighter Never been broken, never been bothered Suddenly changing, thinking I'm never amounting to nothing Been chasing a stereotypical fantasy Acting like everything happens for reasons, still I just might hit Been making me lose my mind by telling myself all the hell that I write shit? When well, you sit there with your long legs But bitching about something I don't know Then so you walk away realizing it's so predictable where we just Go, and that's wedding bells in a chapel Benevolent on the wrong apple Living life emotions who never can manage They picking me out of a raffle Number one heartache coming from memories Number two pencil style we straight now Going opposite ways these opposite days Are making me think what to say now And that's real Running in the circles never leave me alone Say I don't answer the messages I pick up my phone Say we all need some time Just to settle down Won't you come around cause I never can leave